Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another goddamn horror podcast. Hello. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? Rob, Ryan, Jonas, and Graham representing both coasts um, in uh, beautiful. Uh, are you all snowed in out there in New York? Not yet. Not no, yet. it starts tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow oh. we're supposed to get our we're supposed to get our snow dump tomorrow and Friday. We just got done with it here. Like, um, it's a uh, um, been a uh, like locked in. It's like quarantine on top of being trapped in the house now. With like, I literally was just able to drive for the first time this morning, and uh, so it's been it's been you know, you didn't feel trapped enough. It's like we're gonna put you we're gonna put you in the the, the smaller cell now. <laughs> Who are you talking to, dude? We're in New York. Driving is such a foreign concept. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have I to. We have to lock in a year. <laughs> do you? Do you? Uh, do you? Neither of you have a car. No. no. I don't have a car. I, one of my friends has a car um, that we use quite a bit for stuff, but that only happened in like the last four months or so. Prior to that, I had not been in a car for five years. Wow. I grew up in Vermont. I, I drove everywhere it, to, just to go to the store for anything. You need it was a 20 minute drive. So right. I'm a pretty yeah. good driver. I've driven most of my life across the country. But as soon as I moved to New York 10 years ago, sold the car, never looked back. Yeah, same thing but, happened to me when I lived in Portland, man. I used to drive all over the place. Portland, yeah. had, Portland had some of the most infuriating driving that I've ever had in my entire life. Um. And I was so used to it. And then I like when we moved to New York, um, I moved here with my girlfriend at the time and we thought about bringing the car and we were here for like six months. And then we were like, nope, fuck it. We're selling the car. Like <laughs> We're just in, cars going away. And, like the car was still in Portland. We're like, no, we're just going to sell it. We're not going to go back and get it. Um, yeah. Like driving. I've driven in New York twice now and I don't ever want to do it ever again. I would say that this past week we had the most horrific thing I'd ever um, heard happen, though, speaking of horror in the snow situation here, is that we have a, um, for any of our non-familiar with Portland-Oregon border, there's a huge gigantic river called the Columbia River, which is like pretty much all the water from like west of the Rockies, like funnels into that heading to the ocean. It's a gigantic river. It's a big part of, uh, we have two gigantic rivers in Portland and um, there's a large bridge a, um, that goes over one section of it. It's called the 205 bridge and the snow drifts apparently created ramps Basically, the, the edge of this bridge is just like a jersey barrier, just like a basic. Oh, shit. Um, and it's the 205 bridge, and uh, um, a car slid off and hit the ramp and, like, launched itself off the bridge into a river. And everybody who lives in Portland or a, a very bridge city, there's a huge, another different huge river that runs right through the middle of town. Um, it all kind of like buckled under the thing. That's that's a like you hope that like you you get like knocked out on impact because that is a rough. That's like buried alive shit. You know what I mean? That's like you don't want to yeah. like you don't want to uh, you don't want to think about the car going off. You know? No, no, dude, that's a that's a nightmare for everybody in Portland. I feel like yeah. anybody that drives in Portland that that is like one of their biggest fears is going off that bridge into the Columbia. Like, yeah. I mean, I've lived in Washington and Oregon most of my life. And 
yeah, the Columbia River is like if you go into that one, it's done. Like yeah, you're done. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no getting out of that one. I mean, like battleships and stuff come off the Columbia River. You For know, sure, I mean, yeah, like, it's, crazy. it's like it's a like I mean, it's like deep and big and like huge like barges and stuff like that. It's like a, a monster piece. Of, and I've I've fished because salmon come up it too. I've fished underneath that where the bridge is, and it's just like to think about like being in there and like going off into that water is like is a uh, you know is as poor movie thought as I could possibly drum up. So. Speaking of, horror, speaking of horror movie stuff for the winter, did you guys see that pile up in uh, Texas? Yes. Yeah. It was like, what, 135 cars or some shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. you would think I'm joking. I'm not. It was so many cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, um, yeah, the, uh, what's going on in Texas right now? It's like, you know, I think like it would be easy to like, oh yeah, they're Texas and you got messed with and all. But like for me, it's like, oh my God, like these poor people are like really like dying down there. They, like, they didn't sign up for that shit. I, no. I've seen so many of my Northeastern friends just just clown on, on the South ever since the past few years when they're getting snow, which they shouldn't be. This is clearly a problem. They didn't sign right. up for it. Of right. course, they're not going to be prepared. Come on, give them a break. Go help them. <laughs> for sure, dude. I asked one of my friends about that that grew up in Houston. I was like, what, like, is this, like, the craziest thing you've ever seen? And he goes, no, dude, it happens, like, once every 10 years. We get a snowstorm, and then we get black ice, and then, like, half of the te- half of the state dies. He was like, just, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you figured in a state full of pickup trucks, they would have actually been better off, but I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh... I remember uh, I had a friend who lived in Dallas and I drove down there to see him and I was in a, a Ford Ranger. I was coming from Denver. Like a Ford Ranger is like fine truck, you know, like it's a fine vehicle. And I got down there and I felt like the biggest weenie. Like every <laughs> other truck on the, on the highway was like a dually with like, they're like rolling coal. They're, you know what I mean? Like they're doing, <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, oh, here I am in my Ford Ranger. You know, uh, it's like, like what you buy your kid. You know, right? They're just like mocking your Ford Ranger with deeper honks, just like <laughs> right, like like you go from like the electric, like Texas kids go from like the electric, uh, um, like Jeep, that, like you ride around and like on the front lawn to a Ford Ranger. That's like what you graduate. <laughs> as an my uh, my favorite part about Texas and driving though is uh, that uh. There is constantly things that say don't drive on the shoulder. Like they have to constantly remind you, like because like the thought process there is like like so much like hey hit that shoulder and shoot, <laughs> shoot that deer crossing sign to the point where they have to like like spend tax money to like constantly tell people to not do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's Texas. Yeah, it's really funny in the middle of New York City when you see some, when you see somebody really turn the New Yorker up to a thousand. If they get into too much traffic and they're in like any kind of a place that's not like a highway, anytime in town, if there's too much traffic, they'll just turn on the fuck it and they'll go ahead and just drive on the sidewalk. Right. They don't even care. They're just like, <laughs> I am not dealing with this bullshit anymore. I'm driving around everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is just done. Everybody's just like, everybody in the traffic is just like, look at that fucking guy. He's smart. We should have just done that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, some places, like I went to uh, Bogota, Colombia when I was in high school for, it's, I went to, it's an alternative school and part of it was travel and, uh, and people, 
people ride like everybody rides dirt bikes there and they're up on the sidewalks and, sh- and shit all day long i mean it's like it's really like like they're like nope we're just gonna keep going and everybody seems to like live with it and it's, it's cool you know what i mean like so. yeah, dude you're in bogota colombia like the least of your worries is people driving on the sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> it's it's dope there and colombia's gorgeous Colombia Colombia is beautiful but Bogota people are going to be zipping around on cocaine mopeds like (laughs) exactly but I but yeah like I was like winter drive the other thing that was weird is like I was driving with this uh, kid who was my age and his mom and Sepultura was on the radio like a top 40 song and like this mom totally normal mom we're like driving through downtown Bogota jamming Sepultura that's uh nice that's like you know just jamming sepultura you know what i mean so. such an underrated band i love them yeah they're great i saw them open up for a ministry and helmet a bunch of years ago that was pretty dope nice yeah. um well it's a very to- eclectic show uh yeah and it felt like it um um it was a, it was an interesting it was in denver and it was a really interesting mix of people um, I bet. Um, not necessarily a, a, a good mix of people. Um, you know. I, the weirdest one I ever saw was Cursive Against Me and Mastodon on the same one. And it was like the crowd just shifted out. Like the, the crust punks were against me left while the emo kids and the indie rockers came in for Cursive. And then the metalheads came in after that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone got along. <laughs> Uh, mine, mine, mine was a version of West Side Story for heavy metal, I think, because it was Behemoth and Lamb of God. So you had two completely different metal fans, and yeah. they like faced off with each other, like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> I didn't know you existed. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, yeah. Um, I'd like to say that that show is like every every single group that was there was fine on their own. It was just a bad blend of a. Uh, of dudes, it was like a dude, a dudeathon, you know. So. <laughs> That's for sure a sausage party, like yeah, without was, a question. Was, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a sweaty sausage party. Yeah. Uh, well, um, this week we're gonna do some horror movie talking. Um, speaking of metal, I'm like the one. I'm really like the one like horror movie head that's like not a huge metal guy. Like, I, I love three metal bands. Love them. I love Bolt Thrower. Yeah, at the gates and entombed those are like the three metal bands that i absolutely <laughs> and those are very horror centric and yeah, i feel like yeah, a they, lot of pe- i feel like a lot of people will have to google all of those right and i and i you know i kind of feel like they're also sort of hardcore bands too a little bit you know what i mean like so i guess that that's you know being more of a punk guy i feel like you know bolt thrower bolt thrower has a lot of uh, crossover love but uh um yeah, not a, not, a, not a metal guy. But it's all right. It's all right. I mean, I think I think we'll get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this week, what are we talking about? It's Black History Month for horror, my friends. It is Black History right. Month. That's right. And uh, I don't know. Do you did you both have a chance to check out Judas and the Black Messiah? Yes. It's. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I think amazing. I think, yeah, it was think, incredible. I think it's incredible. I think the acting is powerful as shit everything i wanted from the movie too yeah exactly I and mean, there was like some everything i was i was wanting and hoping that they would cover everything it was great yep. 
And I, and I really think that, like, particularly, like, now, like, people, like, kind of, they heard some murmurs that people were, like, wishing they had focused on um, on Hampton more and, and less on uh, uh, Snitch. But, I mean, I think that the idea was to sort of, like, kind of, you know, you know, kind of point out, you know, COINTELPRO, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, like, this also, is... Also, the, the name of the movie sort of buries the lead on that. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if people went into it expecting something different with that being the name of yeah. the movie, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> I'm all, you know, I'm also kind of like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I don't think a lot of bi- biopics, biopics do, like, I think a lot of times those, like, whittle down a lot. Like, there's a couple that are okay, but, like, they're always cut out, like, important parts of these people's lives. And I think that, This like, was a great story. Right, and I think it wasn't like, just the documentary. It wasn't just the facts presented. It was a way into the world to see it. It was awesome the way it was done, and it really just showed like how evil and op- operations like that were. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Still yeah I agree. You know what I mean? And I think that that, and I think uh, uh, what's his name, Jesse? Uh, um, uh, oh God, Meth Damon. Uh, what's his last name? Um, Clemens or uh, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clemens. Yeah, he's uh boy is Matt he Damon. is he like <laughs> we called him Matt Damon when he was in Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. Todd, like his name Todd and everything in Breaking Bad were just yeah. like so absolutely phenomenal and perfect for yeah. for for his character and like and I just think that he is like um kind of like underrated in in like as an actor. I think he's really coming up into like being like, you know, uh um into like you know like he was in uh i'm thinking of ending things um i don't know if you both watched that but that was he was absolutely fantastic and i don't know i think he's a good actor so i think he's finally he's very good actor. recognized too like yeah i've known he was pretty great I, i've molly and i have been a fan since uh was he in friday night lights was that his like yeah i think that was his, like his that was his breakout or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was uh, landry or whatever i can't remember but um yeah, we liked him then. And then when he showed up in Breaking Bad, we were like, oh, hey, this kid again. And ever since then, he just keeps getting better in everything he shows up in. So. I mean, how much do you hate him in Breaking Bad? Hate. Don't you? Yeah. He just, like, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. No, no, it's great. Like, no, it's like, that's yeah. supposed to hate him. He pulls it uh, off. Like, he's such like a, he's such a creep. Uh, but yeah, like so, uh, anybody, anybody who hasn't seen um, Judas and the Black Messiah, please check it out. Uh, the acting, if 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 I don't know who I would give the, I don't know if I give the award to Daniel or Lakeith, but like one or the other, like they, um, um, boy, like the um, real, some of the best, some of the best work I've seen. So um i don't know it was uh, yeah really... i, I couldn't could not recommend it more it's yep. absolutely fantastic yep um so yeah we're gonna uh as we try to talk about uh things and kind of shine lights on some people we're gonna talk about uh um some uh, black some horror movies that either have black directors or a mostly black cast with like a, a black focused um um mentality behind it um uh, if you, we're not going to go too much into the history, there's a really great uh, movie on Shutter called uh, was it Film Noir? Um, it's called Hor- It's called Horror Noir. Horror Noir, that's right. Um, and it's uh, abs- it's really it's really great. And, uh, the interview everybody from Tony Todd, who's Candyman, to uh, Jordan Peele, to they, they kind of kind of go through the history of uh, 
of uh, of uh, black actors and black directors of horror, and uh, it's really uh, worth a watch. They do a, a really good job of it. Um, you know, some documentaries can be kind of like hokey or like whatever, but they do a really good job of this. And the people who put it together, um, I forget her name, but she's a uh, she's like a a film history teacher or whatever, and she kind of puts together this amazing documentary. So it's a uh, please uh, check it. So, um, you know, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get into our favorite movies about that. I um... can we mention something really cool about Tony Todd though? He's the yeah, guy, Colin. dude. Tony Todd is awesome. First off, but he's a guy that was so good at playing a iconic horror, um, you know, slasher monster, whatever you want to call Candyman. He played it so well, and he was so iconic in that part. That after he was done, he's made an entire career out of cameo appearances. Right. Like he just shows <laughs> up in a horror movie. He just shows up in a horror movie, and you're like, I fucking love this movie now. Like it, there's <laughs> no reason. Cool. Just he's there ten minutes. He says some shit, and you're just like, I'm totally gonna watch this whole movie now because totally. Tony it's like Todd a cool showed stamp up. Stamp of approval. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. If Tony Todd is in that movie, you're in for the long haul. You're gonna watch the whole thing because you know what. He signed on for it, so it can't be that shitty. Like the whole series, if it's Hatchet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the entire series of Hatchet, Final Destination, every single one of them. You know, oh, totally. yeah, totally. Like, but yeah. Yeah, we should we, we got to do a Final Destination show. Like, you want to talk about like like every horror like a horror movie is made for horror fans. Like, it is like like really just like guy like people sitting around thinking of the coolest way to kill people. You know what For I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, you know, Jason, like, he'll use every tool, whatever. But this is like, okay, then the water runs down the thing. And you know what I mean? It's just like every, every, every they've done a good job with that. Um, I think we should make uh, in our goal to get Tony Todd on this program. So if anybody listening knows Tony Todd, or Tony Todd, if you're listening yourself. Um, right. Um, What's up, Tony? What's <laughs> up, Tony? Uh, we, we, <laughs> We're big fans. Um, reach out, yeah. and uh, we can uh, we can uh, um, we can make something happen. I'll, uh, you know, I, 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 I found know. out Tony Todd was a cat guy. Like he he saves and fosters cats and stuff too, which oh, is to me it's it's amazing <laughs> to have such a heartwarming part of that like thing. You know, you have a yeah, guy with a, a chest, a fucking chest made of bees that kills people with a hook, and he's like, <laughs> you know what? I love cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I didn't know that, but like, I think in my heart, I knew that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you can see like what kind of makes him lovable and actually kind of like good for the, I mean, cause like, I mean, we can be honest about Candyman, like, like he's, he's the, the quote unquote villain, but he's also like a victim himself. In for sure. So oh, like, yeah. We're dealing with yeah. like a little bit of like a kind of an almost an anti-hero. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, it's a little too bad that like most of his murder victims are like other black people. But like, but he, um, but he, you know, he's he's a, uh, you know, he's like he was, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'd be pissed too. You know what I mean? Like, he has every right to be as angry as he is. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I get it. I feel you know like every I mean? time, I feel like every time he kills somebody, he's just really pissed off that they woke him up by talking into that mirror. They're just like, <laughs> I was trying to sleep, and you brought me into this <laughs> shitty apartment. Like, <laughs> I like hate this bathroom. I'm gonna kill you now. Like, <laughs> he's, he's like finishing a pizza. Pizza. He's like, why did you? You know, like, yeah. 
just shows up in the back of a cop car like why did you do it now now they're driving <laughs> i have to kill these people while they're driving we're gonna wreck like <laughs> this was like why are you very are inconvenient why did you call my name three times um so uh let's talk about our favorite uh our favorite films um graham where are you where are you gonna start i'll start um my favorite, I guess, uh, black movie for Black History Month. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It's and it's far and away my favorite Wes Craven movie. But it's People Under the Stairs. Yeah, it's such um, a good choice. Very good it, choice. Unbelievable. It, it came out in 1991. Um, it's still wholly relevant today. Um, but Wes Craven, if you don't know who he is, uh, you know he had done. Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, um, and most famously, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and he, uh, he was just coming off Shocker for this one. It's billed as a horror comedy. Most By the way, time. Shocker, Shocker is very underrated. Shocker's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I have a special like place the, in my heart for it. It's like the, it's like the glam rock. Like, the, like, I feel like the entire, like, late 80s early 90s like hair rock movement all sort of coalesced and like like shocker was like the tip of it like once it got to shocker everything like everything after that was like a drop off but like i agree if you're like in a like in a 80s 90s metals band like you ended up on the shocker soundtrack you know megadeth covered uh alice cooper for that soundtrack right no more mr knife guy it was incredible. Yeah. There was a video for it and everything. I was so amped on that movie when it came out. Also, I don't think anybody has had more fun playing a monster slash killer slash whatever you want to call him as Mitch Pileggi did as uh, playing <laughs> Horace Pinker. Yeah. He was having so much fun playing that part. It was amazing. Like You could tell that he just like he threw caution to the wind. He went super cheesy, but like in the best way. And just, oh man, he was having so much fun eating up that part, which made the movie so much more enjoyable. Of course, I feel like Mitch Pledge is another guy who shows up in things and that I just am glad to see. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like every time he's in yeah. something, I'm like, oh, it's it's Mitch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, he, uh, every, X, every X-Files episode that he's in is an infinitely better episode because he's there. Like, everyone. <laughs> and like, you're kind of like, He's such a good guy, and he's the only guy in the in the X Files who like gets it. It, Who's in any in any authority position? You know what I mean? Like you feel comforted by his, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I I didn't mean to cut you off, Graham, but yeah, Shocker. No, no, it's totally. I always Um, I always have to give Shocker love. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love Shocker, and I love Megadeth covering alice cooper so um yeah so he had just finished that this was actually uh the first movie that he had full creative control over too which i found very interesting um uh, but it starred uh brandon adams ving rames aj langer sean whalen everett mcgill and wendy roby and uh it follows uh 13 year old fool played by brandon adam and his sister's boyfriend Leroy who is played by Ving Rhames and this is right before I think he got he broke with uh Pulp Fiction like that that's that was his big break right 
would you yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I agree with yeah, that. I mean, sure. Yeah. This, this is right before. Um, I don't know when that came in. But so it, it follows Poole um, and Leroy breaking into um, a landlord couple's home to steal uh, a, a rumored uh, gold coins, treasure, something. And uh, it's because they, uh, Fool's mom is, uh, has medical expenses and uh, they can't pay rent. And um, so he says, sure, I'll go with uh, Bing Rings, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know if that's ever a good idea. <laughs> right. So a, a big part of the, a big part of the movie for me is the house. And uh, because it's, it, it's, it's a craftsman style house in West Adams, LA. And uh it's like two stories, maybe three with the attic from the outside. It looks a little taller, but when you get inside in that movie, it seems so massive and it just just keeps opening up around every corner. So basically, uh, the house is huge. They break into the house and it's then it turns into a violent uh, cat and mouse game. Um, Hold on. I'm a big, I'm a big, oh. Ever, I'm a big Evergill fan, and I gotta, you know what I mean, like because I'm also a Twin Peaks fan, and I think that he's like, you know what I mean, to see, so to see him in this movie, like, you know, like when he comes busting out in like the gimp uniform and the, Oof. you know, I didn't think about it <laughs> until right now, but that's two movies with Ving Rhames and a gimp uniform. Wow, that's I true. Never, I had never really <laughs> thought about. That's true. Um, also, Ever uh, Miguel and uh, Wendy Roby had just played uh, Nadine and Ed Hurley on Twin Peaks, and they went from wrapping Twin Peaks on Friday to filming this on Monday. Wow! Oh, damn! Wow! <laughs> Which is really crazy. Cool. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So it, it basically turns out that the the, the couple played by Everett Miguel and and Wendy Roby. Who call each other mommy and daddy. That's what they're known as the whole movie. Um, so, so, you know, I heard a rumor about that and, and why they were chosen too. Because they're supposed to look like the Reagans. Yes. And the Reagans called each other mommy and daddy. Yes. Yeah. This is very much uh, the whole movie is basically uh, it's about the generational wealth of, of rich white people. Um, turned into uh, basically a perverted conservatism um, while destroying the, the poor and working class back black communities uh, solely to just continue the tradition of being rich. Right. These, yeah. these, this couple doesn't, doesn't just uh, uh, kick people out of their homes, their landlords. They don't just kick people out uh, when they can't uh, pay rent and then bulldoze the place for nicer apartments, you know, basic horrible shit that uh, rich white people have been doing. Um, there, what was I gonna? One of the things I wanted to mention about the people under the yeah, stairs is that it's like, it's legitimately one of the first movies because like, it's a comedy, it's a horror comedy for sure. Like it's got the comedic elements to it. Yeah. But I think it was one of the first times that Wes Craven like really expanded his horizons as far as like his horror directing styles go and his horror writing styles go because he had the slasher he had like the rape revenge and he had like the real like nuts and bolts of horror 
as far as that goes. And even when it came to Nightmare on Elm Street, like the first two of them were very basic as far as like just the actual filming of the movies go. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot into them aside from like obviously some of the more inventive death scenes. Um, but for the most part, it was still like him kind of getting his groove and stuff. And People Under the Stairs, the comedic aspect of it was there but it was definitely like the undertone and the horror of it like it was a legitimately scary movie for way other like way different reasons than um the slashers that he you know had already been known for like it was everything about people under the stairs even if you take like the farcical aspect out of it is a very 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 scary situation like it's very based in reality which makes it terrifying yeah, a hundred percent. It's also I felt like it, it, it's kind of a return to to his to horror in re- based in realism. Yeah, like there's no dream sequences. There's no uh, you know swamp monsters. There's no uh, electric murder people. Like this was For a short. Sure, yeah, this was just uh, you know actual just people that have gone insane from whatever means, it turns out they're brother and sister and cannibals. Both of those things are gonna mess with your head. Um, they're right. trying to build this perfect, like what they, I guess, have been taught is the perfect family with a daughter and a son. And they have a daughter who's clearly abused. Um, she's about the same age as Fool. Fool runs into her while he's, he's in there trapped. Uh, and um, he, Wait, I was shit. Sorry, I that's okay. Dude, well, one of the one of the <laughs> things that I one of the people that's in this movie that I don't know I don't know if you mentioned him when you were talking about the cast, but one of the people that's in the movie is Bill Cobbs. He's the one that plays yes. the grandpa. Yeah, Dude, yep. we we're ta- we we're talking about people that just show up in a movie and you're just happy that they're there. He's yep. one of those dudes. Like oh. he showed like when he was in Demolition Man and he just showed up. You're like, dude, yes. Like <laughs> he's, he's super pivotal chummy. in the. He's super pivotal in the in the movie too because he shows up and he sort of explains what because at that point Fool had escaped, but he knows yeah. that there's the uh, uh, Alice the the daughter is still there, and, and and there's the people under the stairs. So I'm just gonna jump. I don't know. I'm gonna jump ahead. Yeah, do it. Jump around. Yeah, my favorite part. What I got out of this movie was it. It, it was. It was, I saw it when I was 15. I grew up in Vermont, you know. I had no real, horror was basically, movies were my way into seeing the real world. And this was one of the first ones where I saw what white people and, and just the, the, the American dream was doing to the rest of America. Um, Wait a minute, you're telling me that you didn't see terrible white people in Vermont? I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> I saw lots of white people, but you know, it, I didn't see a lot of black people. So I didn't see. Yeah, fair. <laughs> we were just dickheads to each other. Um, <clears throat> That's true. You guys didn't even have any black people to be dickheads to. You just had to be dickheads to other white people. <laughs> That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. And, but so I think the, the message of the whole movie, I'm going to jump to that, is, is the people under the stairs are, are, are made up of children that have been stolen from by this couple. And when they didn't turn out to be the right boy or whatever that they wanted, the right son, they would mutilate them and throw them in the basement. And <clears throat> they sort of represent 
the dumb white dude that I was kind of sure you know? okay like I was that's who I sort of saw in the movie um I could see that for sure yeah I could absolutely because see I think what the movie shows is that when those dumb white dudes that have been just you know thrown to the side by the rich white people the authoritarians um <clears throat> when they team up with with the downtrodden uh, the other poor people, the black communities, the POC, all that, uh, that's when we can win. And I think it's such a huge, awesome message. Yeah, I agree uh, with that 100%. I think, you know, it was so, like, ahead of its time, like, because, like, when it came out, like, it, like America really wasn't ready for, for that. No. Like, and, like, the horror community may not still be ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, it's, uh, I mean, it's a... I mean, it's a like, like the the veil is very thin on what he's like. He he didn't like. He's like, okay, here's what I want to portray, and then he's like, I'll just put it in like one. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't like it's like some like secretive like oh you're like oh it's this or oh it's that or like no clearly what what you're talking about is like evident from like like that's what the movie's about. You know, and, and uh, everything in that house, uh, Wes Craven said, uh, actually represents the United States of America. Right. <laughs> that makes sense like, too. From, from the very top, the, the the authoritarians to the to the people under the stairs, like it, it covers the. And you the know whole what? The, you know what this really reminds me of. Now that you're like breaking this movie down more, because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Like it's been a long time, really, since I've revisited this movie. Um, it feels like the original blueprint or the inspiration that Jordan Peele got for us. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's got a, Maybe, like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. got like, a, it's got a similar feel. Like it's definitely not the same movie, but it's got a similar feel. And just to like, obviously Jordan Peele does, you know, did us and that's a more grandiose version of this, right. but yeah, but the central storyline feels very similar. You know, like obviously they take different angles with it, but like the setup of it, the like the layering of it, the people under the stairs and also the people that are, you know, underground and all these different things. Like there's a lot of similarities, but not, you know, not similarities as if it's like a copy, but similarities in the sense where it's, you know, similar tonally, like it's got a lot of the same things that it talks about, um, which means that Wes Craven was absolutely ahead of his time as far as that message goes and it very much is an early 90s horror film like it's got that feel it's got that style like all those things and i definitely feel like people in the early 90s were absolutely not ready for that style um of a message in a horror film at all like i feel like they're still very much into slasher mode no it was it was a horror comedy oh go ahead yeah, I feel like Wes. I mean, I would love to have seen that conversation between like the studio and Wes Craven. He's like, no, like, listen, <laughs> like, I just got yeah. done with like, I handed you like the most one of the most successful slasher franchises in horror movie history. Like, uh, don't trust me with this. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that guy's a moneymaker, that Wes Craven. And then he comes back, he's like, okay, here's Everett McGill in a full leather suit chasing black kids around a fucking basement. You know, I mean, like, right. just, yeah. the look on their face must have been, uh, like, uh, you know, and we're, you know, coming off one of the most conservative periods of time in this country's history, like some of the most far right thinking, like, ever. You know what I mean? And, like, Absolutely. For, like, 
and for him to be like, you know, here's this. I mean, it just, it, it just, um, it just shows you like the interesting mind of Wes Craven. You know what I mean? I have a theory that if if Wes Craven didn't work in horror, if he wasn't a master of horror, if that's not his genre, he would have been a huge commercial success as a filmmaker. Right. I think I technically and thematically and everything, he, that dude is on point and he's smart. And he just loved horror more than anything else, I think. And seriously, some of his movies, are, this one by far my favorite. Um, but uh, real quick, I just want to run down. These are some of the things that, that I thought were interesting. Uh, the couple is, uh, they're actually brother and sister. Um, they steal from the poor. They abuse their daughter. Um, they lock stolen children in cages. They hoard massive amounts of money to keep the uh, community broke. They own liquor stores. Uh, they have fucked up sex, which is generally not something I would judge, but I judge it when other people judge you right? and then yeah. also have it, you know? Right. Sure. So, you know yeah. I mean. um, there's hints of uh, pedophilia and rape. Um, they say they love cops, but they actually hate them. Uh, they play golf war footage for the, the kids under the stairs. They force watch them. And uh, they use golf as a social indicator that they're law-abiding citizens. Right. And that's the politicians today. I mean, that's Trump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a thousand percent. So, like, just the fact that this was 30 years ago this year that this was released. And, and it, yeah. it, it felt like such a clear cut, like, look, this, and it, it, it says it's satire, but, and, and it almost veers into parody, but it's not. It's literally, I just listed the things they did are the <laughs> things sure, that are yeah. happening. <laughs> so, like, it's, I love that movie so much. Yeah, he didn't really satirize and, anything as much as he told the fucking future. Like, he, yeah. You know, he was <laughs> in the present. It, it yeah. just, it, you know, now it's, it's more upfront. This was something that I didn't see at 15 when it came out. And, you know, it, it's always stuck with me and it's always been my favorite. And yeah, so that's that's my pick. And Sean yeah. Whalen was really, really great in it as Roach. And he didn't say a single thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a, I think that's a fantastic choice. Wait, wait, one more one more thing. Because this actually ties into the whole thing. I forgot about this. I found this right. recently. Um, the the house that it was filmed in, uh, it, it, it's in uh, West Adams in L.A. And in the 1900s, in the early 1900s, the white population moved west. And then in 1945, after the black population had now built a thriving community, the white people came back in and started pushing for racially restrictive homeownership laws. Um, redlining, I think. My wife told me that's what that's called. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Butterfly McQueen, who was uh, a black actress, was in Gone with the Wind, owned the house. And her neighbor, uh, Hattie McDaniel, also black actress from Gone with the Wind, led the coalition in court to stop them and won. And then Holy it became shit. a and yeah, now that's it's right. a historical spot and everything. So. That's that's really that's actually really fascinating because I mean because redlining I think in Portland is a big um, is a, one of the really big parable like and essentially it was just a way so that like black communities couldn't build equity or wealth um, you know it was right. just like 
one of those many like like when we talk about systemic racism, which really comes down to it, like they, like nobody was allowed to really like build like a like a like a generational wealth sort of sort of idea in the in the capitalist system at all, and uh, and like towns like Portland um, and lots of lots of cities um, didn't have successful people like had it that could that were respected like that, so we weren't like uh, you know like. But Portland, they everybody was pushed out to what they call Vanport, and then it flooded, um, and then you know, so it's just a, it's a, like a, such a like one of those just like really untold tragedies. So that's a really actually like fascinating, awesome point about that movie. So. Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah. Um, so mine um, is going to go a little bit different um, as far as like the tonal stuff goes on this one. Um, if one thing you guys might have noticed about me throughout all these episodes is that I enjoy a movie that takes a tired trope and kind of turns it around and puts it into it, like, you know, into a fresh new perspective. Um, and my pick is Attack the Block. So Attack the Block is a movie from 2011, and it's actually the movie that launched the career of John Boyega. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I always, always fuck that up. But um, yeah, it launched his career. He's the main star in the movie, um, along with Jodie Whittaker. And it is very much a tired trope in the science fiction and horror, um, you know, film, horror film history. And it's just a bunch of people defending their home from an alien attack. Like that really is what it boils down to. It's just that. Um, there's like, there's sub stories and things like that within the movie. But the thing that's cool about this movie is that it takes something that is very tired like that and it gives it fresh new life. And it focuses a lot on the people that are the group, the group of teenagers. It's a teenage street gang. Um, it focuses a lot on them and their defense of their home and their defense of, you know, the block. The movie's called Attack the Block because it takes place, I believe, on two separate city blocks that are connected. And it's a very, like, it's a very condensed um, location for, like, all the action to take place. Most of the time when anything has to do with a with an alien attack or anything like that, it's this big, grand scale type of a movie. And that's not what this is. Like, it's pretty, I mean, it's got an $8 million budget, but it's still a very pared down version of that style of a movie. Um, and it's got a pretty, it's got a pretty significant cast um, as far as uh, black actors go. A lot of different ones, a lot of different people in this movie, but the majority of the central cast is black actors. And it's very much focused on their story, um, their story, their neighborhood, their relationships. And, um, you know, it's got Nick Frost in it too. So he's running around being, you know, funny, fat British Nick Frost, you know. Because it's a fun English movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Any, any kind of a fun British movie, you got to have either Nick Frost or Simon Pegg or both. <laughs> and talking yeah. about and more guys that I will be happy every single time they walk on the screen. You know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. A thousand percent. There's just no reason not to like absolutely adore them. Right. A thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. Um, sometimes, honestly, a movie could be terrible. And once they're involved, it becomes exponentially better. Like right. that happens more often than not with them. Um, like, I think Hot Fuzz would not have been a very good movie if it wasn't for them. Like, it was a good movie, but a lot of it had to do with them. Um, but yeah, this one, what's cool about this one is that like, it feels like a big movie, even though it's a small movie. 
if that makes sense. Like it's a lot of yeah. internal, it's, it's a lot of internal shots. There's a lot of stuff that's inside of buildings. They don't do a whole lot of outside of uh, a whole lot of like big outside set pieces or anything like that. Um, it's very contained. A lot of the action is very contained, but it's a blend of sci-fi and horror and it's got a lot of humor in it too. So it's, you know, definitely jumping around genres, but it balances them all out pretty well. You've got the comedy aspect of it, which is this teenage street gang that are busting each other's balls the whole time, cracking jokes on each other, that type of thing. You've got the sci-fi aspect of the aliens attacking, and then you've got the horror aspect of it, which is pretty cut and dry. Like, these aliens are trying to kill all of these teenagers, and it's gory as hell. Like, there's the parts where the gore happens... Like it's not it's not one of those movies that's like a splatter fest, but when the gore happens, the gore is very much there. Like, so they pick their shots and they do it very well. They make it count, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's also a movie that unfortunately didn't get very much love. You know, like I said, it was an eight million dollar budget, and it only made half that at the box office. Um, so it kind of was one of those ones that, even though it ended up launching John Boyega's career. Um, for a short period of time, like people really were not into, like, we're not into the movie. They really didn't want to take any chances with any of the people involved with the movie because it performed so poorly. But then within a pretty short period of time, it got a cult status and people just started buying it like crazy um, in aftermarkets, you know, on streaming and DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff like that. It started making a bunch of money in that aspect. Um, and also it really did shine a light on the actors in the movie, especially John Boyega. John Boyega like stood out quite a bit in the movie, even though everybody else was pretty good. Um, he really is the one that stole the show. Yeah, he owns that whole thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah, that one's mine. I mean, it's a fun movie. It's an action-packed movie. It's perfectly paced. It's like right at 90 minutes. I want to say it's like 87 minutes or 88 minutes. So it definitely doesn't you know, like go long on the tooth or anything like that. Um, it's not slow, but it's also not like, you know, hyperactively fast either. It's got a right. good steady pace. And when the action picks up, like it picks up and like shoots you through a really heavy action sequence and then kind of simmers down a little bit. Like it's really an easy one to sit back and watch and just enjoy, which is kind of one of my favorite things about horror films. You're either super invested or you're just enjoying yourself. And at least that's the way I watch horror movies. Right. Um, this one definitely falls in the sit back and relax and just have fun with it and um, watch what's going on. But yeah, that's that's one of my favorite ones that's definitely like a lesser known um, one that I feel like people should definitely seek out. You know, really the, aliens, the aliens in that are awesome too. They're not like- They really they are. Look, they just look cool. Like they're not like overly done. Oh. What? Oh, I was saying totally. They look good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like yeah. a like it's not like silly or cartoony or it's just like good. Yeah. And it, and it's different. It's totally unique. And I love the I love the aliens in that. Yeah, and then there's one that I'll mention. I'm only gonna mention this just as like a little side thing. Um, it's another one that I think people should check out. It's another British horror film uh, that came out right around the same time. And this one is definitely obscure. A lot of people don't know this one. Um, mostly because it's called, it's just called the dead. Like it's, mm. it's got the most, uh, you know, 
the weakest name you could possibly give for a zombie film. It's right. just I've already dead. forgotten it. <laughs> right. It's just the dead. That's all it is. Uh, but it, it came out in 2010. It's a British zombie film. Uh, but it's actually a zombie film that is based in Africa. And almost the entire cast um, is, is uh, African-American cast. Um, and it is a phenomenal zombie movie. Like, as far as taking a film and switching up that old tired trope and making it your own, um, that movie is crazy good. And I don't, and most people, like I said, have not, don't even know it exists. Um, it's from Anchor Bay. It's on Tubi. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those movies that flew directly under the radar, but definitely like a solid runner up. Like, if you want a fun zombie film that is definitely different than pretty much any other zombie film that you've seen, look for The Dead um, on Tubi. Okay. Yeah, that looks fun. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I even went around with this one. Um, you know, like uh, there was some, there's some great new uh, movies that people should check out. People should see. His house um, is absolutely fantastic. Um, yes. Black Box is pretty great. Um, you know, I think. Vampires versus the Bronx is a great movie. Like it's yeah, um, yeah. agree. Uh, that's Oz Rodriguez. You know he uh, he's done, he was a Saturday Night Live director for a while. He's he's done a lot of like little stuff in there. But that movie's just like a fun family um, like tale. And uh, like it's I don't know like like you'll you'll find with me I like uh, I like kind of like comic book kind of like basic horror stuff and uh, like some you know like uh, like kind of done very well you know um um and uh, <laughs> um it's and, completely okay if your cat makes a cameo appearance on the podcast yeah, yeah cats uh, cats uh, we we're pro cat yeah, me yeah. too but he won't shut up if he starts going so that's <laughs> um, something to say um but um so I, I went through that and, I, and I'm not going to leave this episode without not talking about Jordan Peele and I think the amazing things that he's done for um, not only just like black horror but horror in general. I think um, I think uh, the two movies he's made uh, have been tremendous films, not even just on a horror level for like for I mean watching other people who have different skill sets make movies and uh we'll talk about rob zombie in a different episode but like watching him be able to pull off um kind of complex stories you know like things that like um with such such a degree of of um depth and gravity and clarity is some of the better movie making i think i've i've uh I've seen. I mean, really, like, I mean, both us and Get Out are complicated stories with with specific with with a lot of nuance and a lot of subtext and a lot of you know like a lot of going on. And I think both have been. Um, which which do you like better, us or Get Out? Either. I would go with Get Out probably. It's it's hard for me to really pick between those. Um, but I got to agree. Get out. I got. I got to say, get out. Yeah, get out is just like is is like such like I mean like such like a perfect little uh, like 
pale. You know what I mean? It was it's a hell like, of a debut, too. Yeah, I know. And it was just like, it's like so heavy. And it's like, it's such like a, a little tale with so much packed in it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's so much there to it. And and like the, like the, the there is not a clunky moment in that movie. You know what I mean? It's like they. I think I think everything from beginning to end on Get Out is almost perfect, if not perfect. Whereas I think with Us, it was a very good movie. Um, I just think that it was. I don't. I guess the best way to put it is a little too ambitious, right? Because the story was, the story even though it's a very good story and it's a very terrifying story and it's a very well-made movie, it is a very, very, very complicated um, way of putting that story on film. Mm -hmm. So like, that's where it kind of, it kind of trips over itself a little bit too much compared to get out, get out is streamlined. It's almost perfect. Like I really honestly can't think of anything and get out that I would consider not perfection. Right. Um, Whereas us, I kind of have to defend it more to people. Like if I tell them it's a good movie and they, and they want to talk about it, I, I kind of have to defend it a little harder and push it a little harder for people to be like, okay, yeah, it is a really good movie. Whereas get out. It's like pretty much universal. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and I would agree. I think, um, I think, I don't know. Like, I, like, yeah, there, there could be some, con- I, I think his movies are judged very harshly personally you know what i mean like i think that if anybody else had made us and we just like sat down and threw it on as a as a as a horror movie we would probably be just like oh wow this is amazing but he is hell i don't know if it would have been i don't know if it would have been analyzed as as much though i think it was coming off of get out i think people were looking hard at us and i think that's why it was judged probably i also feel like like the horror community um is pretty hard on him in general you know what I mean? So, like, I think that there is a lot of people that, you know, and outsider that, that you know, that just are like, oh, he's just making these movies and and wanted to not be like great. I think it, like, I think it lives there, and I think there's a, you know, what I mean, I think it's on a pedestal because of how he's how he's going. And so it makes it a bigger target. You know what I mean? Like, it's like because I mean, I think the thing that's undersold about us. Is beyond like the amazing acting and beyond the like like this like crazy story and all that is it's actually totally funny at times too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like he he write, he puts like so much like 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 Winston Duke in that movie is like so hilarious and like you know what I mean like 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 when he's like yelling on the boat or when uh, uh, when uh, oh god what's her name uh, when she's when she's like called the police and starts playing fuck the police and like you know what I mean. Oh like, yeah yeah yeah. I mean, like those are like such spot on. Like, um, yeah, there are there are like as like a movie, like as somebody who watches a lot of movies, and like there are things about uh, us that I could pick apart. But I just think that it's a, I think it's a great movie on its own. I think like if I yes, if I overanalyzed it, I could probably find some shit. But I'm just not going. To. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah, think- no, it's it's an absolutely great movie. I mean, both of them are. That's the thing that I think Jordan Peele kind of set him. He didn't set himself up for defeat. I won't say that at all, but he did set himself up for criticism on his follow-up film because like Get Out was as good of a debut as you could possibly have for a new voice in horror for sure. Like, I mean, 
when it comes to horror films, there's no new director that comes along and pulls that off. Um, you know, aside from like Ari Aster, he's the only other one I can think of that came out with a debut that was just blew people's face off. And then when you have this follow-up movie, like that bar is already set so high. And also Get Out is, as much as Get Out is a complicated, um, you know, social commentary, it's a very simple story. Like right. it's, it's pretty simple. And whereas Us, again, kind of the same thing, it's a complicated social commentary, but also the actual story itself is quite complicated. Like there's a yeah. lot of stuff that you have to like really pay attention to to pick up the little nuances that he throws on screen. And I think that's where people got tripped up on it because, you know, I had to watch that movie twice, like to really, really absorb it. And I think the first one was kind of just because I watched it and it was, I don't know, I guess, you know, I was fanboyed out a little bit and I was like, Oh shit, the new Jordan Peele movies out. And I watched it and I enjoyed it. But then after I was done, I was like, fuck, there was so much I missed. Like I have to watch, I have to watch it again. Um, and then when I watched it the second time, I picked up so much stuff that I missed the first time and it made it an infinitely better movie. Um, you know, I think, um, so like I talked about like MF Doom on the, you know, I think that like you, you get like, like a few like really great talents in this world, you know, and, uh, like somebody who's just like, has like scope and like, just as like like an art monster, you know what I mean? Like, I, like, mm-hmm. I love that term. Um, like, it just like, I'm like, I'm, and I just think Jordan Peele is one of them. You know what I mean? I just think he's just like when, one of the guys who like just has like a bigger, I mean, like you look at like MF Doom or, uh, you know, uh, Donald Glover or like, you know, like people who like, like if they weren't doing these art projects, they're, what they're in, they'd be like, probably great painters or great doing know, other art projects yeah right, right I mean, yeah you know i mean like they're just like they just have the mind for that stuff and i think that like um um this isn't even a movie i'm picking i just like i just really wanted to talk about jordan peele and i was just like that's all right like my my no, nod my nod to him as just like as like being being excited to live in a time where he's performing and he's doing his things you know what i mean because i think we're really lucky to get to like you know that we live in a time where a um he's being supported Mm -hmm. um you know like and um he's he he has he has people willing to 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 let this happen because i mean imagine all the the people back when you know black people couldn't do stuff and i mean that's, that's still a prevalent issue today but like imagine like all the lost amazing art that we and humanity that we could have had out of that situation but it's also nice to be living in a time where like that guy is thriving because i feel like when he's thriving this world's a better place because he's a he's a horror comedian i, I mean he's he is funny he is uh, he's like a great actor you know what i mean like it's amazing he's not even in his movies like i kind of like you know what I mean? when like, get out came out i was like oh i thought he was a comedian he's just straight up an amazing horror director and he has comedy on the side right right yeah and like the way the way that get out came out like the way that it just like i think people when they saw the previous part were like oh this looks really interesting jordan peele i've only seen him on key and peele and then when the movie hit theaters like everybody was so blown away which you know is both to his you know 
it speaks volumes to his talent and also it now makes it to where he has to make these movies like just amazing or people are gonna try to pick him apart that's why like Candyman looks incredible but here's the thing Jordan Peele has now made two movies and he's on to a third that very 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 much look like a Jordan Peele movie you know what I mean like every single one of them has the look of a Jordan Peele movie and he's already getting that style uh bitten off from other directors there was a movie that just came out not too long ago, which, by the way, is not a recommendation. If you want to see how to do an African-American horror story badly, you can watch this movie. Um, but it's called Antebellum. And when that movie came out as a preview, every, everybody thought it was a Jordan Peele movie because of the way it was filmed. Right. And then, then they saw that it was a different director and it was like, oh, shit, I thought that was Jordan Peele. Thank God it was not Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And George Peele is, is producing a lot of great stuff too, right? Yeah, he, like did, he, did, he did Lovecraft Country. Yep. yep. You know, he's, he's getting a lot of black actors and directors work right now, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and Lovecraft Country is like, I mean, it's a book originally. I, I realized I'd like to pick up that book um, because essentially somebody wanted to like take ownership over like these great, you know, I mean, um, for any of our listeners who, who don't know the history of H.P. Lovecraft, uh, he is one of the most influential horror uh, creature, thriller writers, uh, pulp writers of all time. He was also an absolute, like, ridiculously terrible bigot. Um, so it has the created gross racist, yeah. a gro- like one of like the grossest like uh, it's his stuff is from uh, what is it? What is it? The 30s, 20s, 30s? Uh, um but even for the time period, which you can like, so some like, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of people who are like, but like, we, we will chalk up a lot of like old timey racism. I try not to, but like, we try to chalk up like to like, 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 but like, even for the time period, he is, he was. His contemporaries were calling him out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saying, like, this is, <laughs> like regularly. <laughs> And, and some of it lives in his work. I mean, it really does. You know what I mean? And, and it's hard. So, like, I mean, for me, like, it's always been, like, hard to get, like, really excited about uh, Lovecraft stuff um, once I kind of found that out. Because I, I love Call of sure. all that stuff as a kid. And, um, you know, like, that stuff was all fascinating. And as a horror head, you know, I mean, like, his his fingerprints are all over and the, I mean, like some stuff is like like movies like The Void are straight up like out of the H.P. Lovecraft, like you know. And but you kind of but like you know, it's hard to like watch that with like full love because of um, um, just because of how atrocious of a human being he was, which is just uh, um, terribly terribly sad. And um, so it's it was nice to see uh, Lovecraft Country kind of being like taking it back over and like using like almost like using the stage he built and the and the like it's probably honestly the best way it could have been done you know definitely um but the movie i'm going to talk about uh but anyways thank you jordan peele i know you're listening um you know (laughs) we love you jordan (laughs) we love you jordan um uh, stop by and chat with us sometime um uh, we well we'd love to have you um but the movie I'm going to talk about is, you know, yeah, like I said, I went around and around. I thought, you know, Black Box, His House, like a lot of different, like more modern ones. But I'm going to go a little older school and I'm going to go Tales from the Hood. 
Um, yeah. I, I love fantastic, fantastic. I mean, it, uh, so I'm a I'm a comic book horror junkie. You know what I mean? I love Creep Show. I love Tales from the Crypt. I love uh, I love movies like House, um, like the original House. You know what I mean? Ding Dong, You're Dead. Um, yes. Yeah, like that's that, that's where like I really like cut my teeth on like like going from just liking horror to like like getting into like styles of horror you know um so you know so when tales from the hood came out i was really excited about it and i just think that they uh both uh wrapped um uh great social commentary in with uh, an amazing um you know like like a fun horror like like comic book horror uh, vignettes you know what i mean if you haven't seen it it's a uh, it's three vignettes. Um, they cover three. Yeah, or, yeah, it's three. Um, they cover uh, an abusive father. Who's, uh, great, great, uh, great appearance by uh, old Dag David Allen Greer. Uh, um, such a under underappreciated comedic talent from um, that era. Uh, Corbin Burnson um, plays such a great scumbag. Um, is a is a rich Southern senator uh, who buys a house that gets uh, poisoned by dolls, and then um, and then uh, the, I, you know I think that final final uh, commentary about uh, gang violence and stuff like that. The final one is just a really great, uh, um, uh, really great perspective, and clearly clearly meant for uh, for that community. And, um, you know, and it's something that was kind of, uh, you know, uh, really the focus of a lot of like uh, 90s, 80s, 90s uh, work was around stopping gang violence and uh, focusing on, you know, internal struggles in that. Uh, the movie is, uh, is really well done. It's, uh, um, it's directed by Rusty Cundiff. Cundiff? Um, who also directed a bunch of the Chappelle show. So, um, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, he did he did also direct Tales from the Hood two and three, which um, I knew there I was, was a two. I, I didn't know there was a three. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of those movies. Those don't <laughs> exist. We should move on from those. <laughs> um, no. No, it's honestly though I will say this: there is a second and a third one, and something I already have to go back on something that I said earlier. Um, Tony Todd is the Undertaker in the third one, or whatever you want to call him. Right. And you know what, Tony? I'm sorry. That's that's the one you shouldn't have done. <laughs> like that's the one. Oh, he's um, never going to come on the show now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like you know what? I actually feel this is what I feel bad for Tony Todd on that one. The third one is so bad and so obscure that in order for you to search for it on Google, you can't just search for Tales from the Hood 3 because then it tries to redirect you to a better Tales from the Hood. Like you have to, you actually have to go multiple search results down to be like, oh, there's the shitty one. There it is. <laughs> and the entire movie is marketed on Tony Todd's face and he's in it for like 30 seconds. I, I feel like um, I feel like House Party 3 and uh, Creep Show 3 and Tales from the Hood 3 should be like a triple feature <laughs> sometime. Like things filmed, oh, man. <laughs> filmed on video, like great great epic movie sequels 
filmed on video cameras. You know what I mean? Like it's right. like I, mean, I don't know if you've seen Creepshow three. Oh yeah, yeah. It is, it is. I mean, it, like it looks like. I mean, you think like. I mean, it doesn't even look like it's iMovie. It looks like it's like I don't know what. It, it's just really like it's really bad. And uh, the, the funny, the funny side note to Creepshow three is that somebody just bought the property and they were like, "Fuck it, this is Creepshow." Like that's literally what it is. Somebody yeah. bought the property and just tacked it on to whatever this piece of shit was that they made. There are uh, literally, there are literally, um, um, like fan films that are like a thousand times better. You know what I mean? Like it's really like, are. <laughs> I mean, really like, like people who like cared about it. Um, um, but there is technically, they say Creepshow 3 is technically, uh, God, what is it? Uh, Greg Nicotero and those guys did, did one other, anyways, um, we'll, we'll talk about Creepshow in a different episode. But, um, <laughs> um, but I'm, no, I'm gonna go Tales from the Hood. I think um, it was, uh, it was great. It was fun horror. Um, the bad guys got dealt with. the 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 message was was strong, and um, if you haven't seen it, watch out for the dolls. They're coming. You know, there are those haunted yeah. dolls. <laughs> so. I like ta- I like Tales from the Hood because it was definitely a good mix of it was a mix of horror and comedy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like it tried to capitalize on the horror aspect with the narrator and with you know the Undertaker or whatever you want to call him. Um, they tried to capitalize on the humor with him because he was a comedic actor and like just his face alone and the expressions that he would make when he was talking to the guys was hilarious. Like he's one of those types and one of those type of actors. Um, but it was also just super well-made like for the time it came out, especially it was most anthologies or anthology style horror films are solidly either very good or very bad. And they're mostly not that good. Most of them are, you know, they're okay. But this one legitimately comes across as like people cared about this when they made it, you know? Right. Like they put some love into it. Yeah, I mean it was uh it's um uh, what's his name? I should look it up. I should give him, I guess you give him the, the, the due he is he is I should give him his due. Um um, it was Tales from the Dark Side, by the way. That's the that that is technically the, what they say is the the uh, technical name. I do proper, actually, yeah. The, the proper third creep show movie would be Tales from the Dark Side. Um, yeah. Um, but in Tales from the Hood, um, the actor, the main guy, he's so great because he like the one that played movie. the one that played Mr. Sims. Yeah, he's like they or the. Uh, He's the he's the undertaker and he's walking around and the guys are looking to buy the shit from him and he keeps like he keeps screwing with him and it's like that's really uh, anyways it's not coming up but he's a he's a great um um oh uh, his 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 name is Clarence Williams it's Clarence oh, Williams that's right. okay that's right yeah, yeah Clarence. Clarence Williams the yeah. third yeah he um unfortunately I think he I think he's passed away at this point mm-hmm. um he's been no no he hasn't he's just retired that's what it is. Um, I just checked to make sure, but yeah, he, he hasn't passed away or anything. He's just, he's retired, hasn't done anything in a while for movies. Um, but his last film credit was like in 2018, but yeah, his just delivery of his lines are phenomenal. Like he's, he is one of the best comedic actors around or was. Was right. Yeah. No, he, uh, you know, most famously from the mod squad and, uh, 
yeah, he's pretty. Um, he's got he's got a really good like long history of uh, great great movies. Uh, so George Wallace, he was in. He was on the Cosby Show, uh, Millennium. Um, yeah, great actor. Um, yeah, Tales Tales from the Hood was also executive produced by Spike Lee. Like, I mean, it's just there's so much good stuff that goes into Tales from the Hood. Yep. So uh, yeah, that's my choice. Check it out. Very solid choice. Very, very solid. All so, right. uh, Graham, right. what, what's the uh, Graham? What's the question of the question oh, of the week? Shoot, that's right. Good job. Um, I just wanted to hear what your guys like top three favorite movies from twenty twenty were. Um, um, why don't you Why don't you pop that cherry? What's yours? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, my first one uh, would be. I'm just going to list them because you know we're running right a little long, but um. Uh, Come to Daddy with Elijah Wood. Oh, really good. Yeah, yeah it was really good. That, that I think it came out in like January. It barely made the cutoff. I was really excited because that yeah. movie stuck <laughs> with me all year. <laughs> yes, yeah, super um, good movie. Get Duked. Yeah, which was just super fun. Uh, British movie. Um, it's got Eddie Izzard in it. And I'm all about him. And uh, yeah. uh, uh uh, going back and forth with these i'm gonna i'm gonna eddie, go with eddie's, one that... eddie's going by uh by female pronouns now oh, oh yeah I'm, yeah yeah i didn't even yeah. know this yep eddie is eddie is fully fully uh has decided to go by female pronouns so yeah okay well yeah. she is awesome she um, is big fan. um and so the last i went back and forth through about 10 other ones but i don't think this one got enough love and it's it's an easy watch, but it's it's not a typical horror layout, I guess you would say. Okay. Um, but after midnight. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. After midnight's good. Yeah. Yeah, after it's basically it's just solid. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not really the the, the blueprint for a normal uh, horror movie at all. Uh, I guess what would be called mumblecore. I don't know, but um. Right. It's great. I loved that movie up until the very end. I thought it was yeah. great. And I love the end. Like that everything, like that's what sold it for me. Like the movie in its entirety. So yeah, so those are my top three. Nice. Um, my top three, I'm gonna go with the Invisible Man because it surprised me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love I really, really liked it. Um and I mean that from beginning to end, that was I just thought that was a very, very, very good movie. But Elizabeth Moss uh, did incredible in that movie. Um, the effects in it were good. Just it was a very, very good movie that I expected to not like that much mm-hmm. going into it. I expected that it was just going to be okay, um, and it turned out to far exceed those expectations. Um, Host uh, on Shutter. That was the one that was filmed during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. that um i've talked about before if you haven't seen it definitely do it it's only an hour long and it you'll be very happy that you watched it um and then my third one for 2020 was another one that surprised me because again i expected it to be very underwhelming um and it was the opposite and that is underwater yes that's <laughs> the one with Kristen stewart tj miller um big ass monster movie um very very claustrophobically filmed but like in a very good way um not like the descent because you can tell that they're definitely underwater but it's very claustrophobic feeling in the sense that you feel like the entire sea floor can just like fall from underneath them at any time um 
pacing was good. Action was good. Acting was really good. Um, the way they ramp up to the big monster reveal is fantastic. And the monster reveal itself um, more than pays off. Like it's very, very, very underrated um, creature feature monster film of 2020. Kristen Stewart doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. I think she's very good. Yeah, she's yeah. a very good actress. She just unfortunately got pigeonholed. Um, yeah. You know, and so whenever she comes out with a new movie, people kind of ha already have their minds made up. Um, but I think she's doing better and better at kind of crushing that stigma because right. she's coming out with good movies left and right. Like she's picking some really, really good ones. And the ones that she takes a chance on, like underwater, um, she ends up knocking it out of the park. So, Kristen, we know you're listening. <laughs> let's talk to you. Let's schedule we'll let's talk some horror. If you, if you can fit into our scare, if, if you can fit into our uh, schedule, we'll get you on. All right. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, my three are I Went Invisible Man as well. Um, I think, uh, like you're saying, Elizabeth Mott, like, just, like, hit it out of the ballpark. I think her ability to do terror um, yeah, um, was is really good. I think she's um, she's been fun to watch as an actress really, like, come up and be, like, you know, all the things that between she's getting some really great roles, you know, so between uh, um, us and um, um yeah, what is not the Stepford Wives? What's the uh, other terrible man? You know, like uh, struck. Uh, her name's uh, Alfred. Uh, what's that show called? With the, yeah, with her the, name is Alfred. Oh, the, like, the, the, the Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, between that, um, I really um, didn't think that's the one you guys were brain farting on. I was like, <laughs> do they are they talking about the Handmaid's Tale? But, right, yeah. um, but between all of that, she's. Um, uh, I just think of like fantastic and I think she carries that whole movie and I think um, like you're saying like the the effects were good um, um, I like the aspect that it wasn't just like about an invisible man it was just about like an actual like just really shitty dude you know what I mean um, so like yeah it was like it was like the most terrifying version of gaslighting ever exactly exactly yeah. like, and, right and like and so i and i really think that like like i watched it and like you i was really surprised at the end of it i was like god that was really good uh the last invisible man movie the one with kevin bacon was such utter garbage and like such a waste <laughs> hollow man yeah hollow, hollow man, man was, yeah. it was terrible terrible what about the chevy chase one um, you know chevy chase one's okay it would i don't remember it i just remember him being <laughs> I mean, it's you just know like, what? I think the only Chevy Chase movies I ever want to see ever again are ones when I don't have to look at Chevy Chase at all in the movie. So I'm okay with an Invisible Man right. Chevy Chase movie. Um, I watch Christmas Vacation every year. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. We all have things that we're attached to in our childhood that are toxic. I'm okay right. with and that. I, <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, I think the Vacation movies are almost get a pass because uh, yeah, they do. Of all course, they get a pass for me. Because yeah. he is utterly despicable as that character. And like, I mean, he's just a really terrible person. And who knew like, it was real life? <laughs> yeah, right. It's really like it's 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 actually like, yeah, he's just a terrible person. So Chevy, um, we know you're listening, and that's okay. Stay at home. Don't worry. Yeah. You, know what, you know what, Chevy? Like, you can hit me up, but it's fine. <laughs> um and then I don't I, know, I'll talk caddyshack with you all day, buddy. <laughs> um, and then I wrote down get duked uh, and then Graham said get duked um, <laughs> um, so I crossed out get duked and then I wrote host 
Um, so, like, I agree with you both on Get Duke and Hose. Um, if you haven't seen Get Duke, Get Duke is just um, super funny, super, super good hearted. Um, it's light on the horror, but it's super fun and makes up it, for it in every other way. I think it's horror enough to, to push it over the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, it definitely falls into horror. Yeah I, yeah, I would have to say. And, and like, I think the acting is great. And it's, uh, I don't know, like, I, um, it kind of like, it's a little similar to uh, that. Uh, uh, what's that? What did you new one? Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Like, I kind of feel like they have the oh, same yeah, yeah. sort of like vibe to yeah, it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like at the end of it, you're like, just really glad you watched it. You know what I mean? Also, yeah. like Eddie Izzard, she's great in anything that she does, like yeah. straight up. And this is no different. Um, it just feels like a new layer to what she usually does. So it just has that, that extra layer of darkness to it. Like it's very cool. And as a it was the most fun I had watching a movie all year. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And as a stand up, like watching Eddie Izzard, her career, just, you know, go to roles like this, you know what I mean? Like, to, you know what I mean? Like you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is like, like just like such a skill set. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, definitely. Uh, and the last one I'm going to pick, though, is hashtag alive. Um, and it kind of falls in the same. Um, I think hashtag, it's a Korean zombie movie. Um, a, pretty much any movie from South Korea or maybe North Korea, if I would ever see one. Um, uh, <laughs> some of the best, um, some of my, like, already gets like 10 points in my book. But uh, hashtag alive was a really good story of the human spirit. And I think. Um, I think really good in a year of quarantine and terrible politics and yeah, and so many people suffering um, to watch a movie about two people trying to make it. And uh, it's a very simple tale, but you really care about them. And I think, uh, I think uh, uh, Korean movies, um, the ones that I, that I enjoy a lot are really good at grasping, um, um, you know, like really like, like a lot of like emotion in the characters and um and i really think that that movie pulls it off and um um yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of hashtag alive it's on uh i haven't seen that yet i now i'm going to i'm writing it down it is very very good like yeah definitely watch it graham yeah i saw i'm running down through a list of movies i missed and i i I'll, real quick i'll just say this because it's horror uh I, I finally saw she dies tomorrow did you guys see that i haven't seen that yet i haven't I've, no I really, really dug it, but and I didn't know this at all. Uh, it was written and directed by Amy Simites, who was in Your Next. She was the lead in A Horrible Way to Die. Oh, um, shit. Wow. It's got a bunch of people uh, that are in, like, the, the main girl is uh, the first girl that dies in Your Next, the one that plays the song. Um, oh, wow. And Adam Wingard is in it. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't even know, know he acted. <laughs> Well, you know so what? It's really it's not good. six really it's not six that. degrees of it's not six degrees of Kevin Bacon anymore. Now it's six <laughs> degrees of Adam Weingard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any real quick recommendations before we uh, we call this, Graham? Oh, I'll just I'll I'll go with that. Uh, she dies tomorrow. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's slow, um, but I'll also go with uh, it was it's a, it's a great movie. Um, music wise, I'm going to go with uh, Twitching Tongues. Okay. Uh, there's an album. Let me see. Uh, 
in in love there is no law i think that's what it's called it, i can't it's a hardcore band twitching tongues i don't know if you've heard them ryan or jonas um yeah i have not where is it so in love there's no law it's it, just that song just look up that song okay, in yeah. love there's no law it's haunting it's amazing twitching tongues is the band um yeah i'm definitely gonna listen to that um my recommendations uh first one is andrew wk came out with a new song called babylon um i love andrew wk but specifically this video um is very psychedelic mm-hmm. um it's got visually it's very horror adjacent which i think is really cool um also it's a it's kind of a new layer to his music it's not just party rock anymore he's actually a little bit heavier and a little bit harder on this one so um yeah if you're um if for whatever reason you're wondering what the fuck andrew wk is doing that's what he's doing so (laughs) this is what Um, happens this is what happens when you can't go to parties anymore seriously yeah he can't party on uh, (laughs) like he can't party on outside so he's making weird psychedelic videos for napalm records um my other recommendation is a horror series for black history month that you should watch to see how bad it can really be and that film series is called killjoy and it is on tubi and it is a movie about a demonic clown um that attacks um inner city youths that are played by 45 year olds um and uh each sequel gets worse than the last one and i cannot recommend them enough they're so bad and they're so fun i feel like every single one of them was probably made on a budget of like 50 dollars um and they're from full moon so if you're into full moon style of movies already which is like puppet master and castle freak and all those then you're totally going to be fine with Killjoy. If you don't know anything about Full Moon, I think their entire studio is worth about $3,000. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's my recommendation. Like, that's that's the worst Black History Month horror film I have ever seen, and it's hilarious in how bad it is. Right. Um, so, yeah, watch those just for fun. All right. um, I'm going to suggest um, Green Onions. The food. Um, I don't know. You know. I just am a big fan of Green Onions, the food, and I think it doesn't get enough love. And I think that uh, everybody should buy a bunch and appreciate it because they're like 89 cents and they turn every meal into something way doper. You know, like um, it's so just good. like, it's just uh, like, um, just really the way I'm going to, I'm just going to suggest Green Onions and Judas <laughs> and the Black Messiah. That's, that's, that is, that is. <laughs> You know what? My brain just did the weirdest thing because the chef part of my brain was like, fuck yeah, green onions are super <laughs> underappreciated. Yeah. And the other part of all the rest of my brain just went, did this motherfucker just recommend green onions <laughs> on the podcast? Yes, he yeah. did. That's, like bold, that's a bold choice, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, green onions. Get, give, get you a bunch and look at them and go, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm going to turn you into scallions right yeah, now. I, I'm just going <laughs> to chop them up and I'm going to put them on some rice. I'm going to put them on like, like there's not uh, a meal, but I like, like a burrito. I eat a lot of, uh, I love Korean food. They're great on Korea. You know what I mean? Like everything, like everything you put them on, like is absolutely fantastic. And like, it like adds like freshness and onionness. And it's just like, man, makes the flavors pop. 
I mean, really, I mean, it, it does. Is, it's just it does. Like, yeah. it gives, you know, like, it just gives you, like, that little, like, like, literally, like, I mean, like, 80, like, like less than a dollar. Like, what are you doing? Right. You need more green onions in your life. Yeah, I mean, I, go out I, to the store right now and you chive your ass off. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, that has been another episode. Um, fight racism every way you can. Um, thank you for uh, joining us uh, for another episode. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, go start some fires and break some glass. Thank y'all.